Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. He was a man who was just and devout as messed up as the religion of his day was, as messed up as Judaism was at that time, as offensive as it was to the eyes and to the heart of God, there were still people within the structure of Judaism who still loved God and were just and devout. Simeon was one of those, and I believe one of many, but again, the system itself had become corrupt. Simeon was a devout man of God, and while little is revealed about who he actually was, we know that he was someone who lived with great anticipation. Simeon never lost sight of God's promise and never stopped believing, even in the midst of a corrupt religious system. As Pastor David explains, we can learn much from this holy man of God named Simeon. While our religious system may miss the arrival of the Messiah, we don't have to. God's promises are as sure to us as they were to Simeon. Now here's Pastor David with the first part of his message entitled, Anticipation. going to date myself a little bit and probably some of you as well, okay? Particularly if you can remember the words to a song that I'm going to bring to your memory. The song was actually written back in 1971. Okay, that's a long, long, long time ago, okay? Let's face it, that is a long time. 43 years ago. I was just a baby at that point in time, okay? Actually, it was one year before I got married. But uh, 1971, the song came out. It was a very, very popular song when it first came out. It actually hit on Billboard's top 200 list, number 13 all-time great songs. In uh, the adult contemporary list, it uh, made its way all the way up to number three. The song was written by an individual, actually, as she thought about and contemplated an upcoming uh, date that she was going to have with another individual, uh, another famous person. Here's the words to the song. Some of you might get it on the verse, but probably all of you will get it on the chorus. The first verse is this. We can never know about the days to come, but we think about them anyway. And I wonder if I'm really with you now or just chasing after some finer day. Now, don't tell me what it is, but do any of you catch that yet? Anybody? You'll catch it on the chorus. Here's the chorus. Anticipation. Anticipation is making me late, is keeping me waiting. It was one of Carly Simon's greatest hits. Uh, A writer for Rolling Stone magazine, followed by the name of Stephen Davis, wrote this about that song. 
He says it's a spirited examination of the tensions involved in a burgeoning romantic situation in which nobody has any idea of what's going on or what's going to happen. I mean, I look at that and I think, well, that's kind of life, isn't it? More often than not, we don't know what's going on and we definitely don't know what's going to happen. We may have our plans, we may have our ideas, but for the most part, we don't know tomorrow, do we? That chorus, anticipation, anticipation, it's making me late. It's keeping me way, 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 way waiting. If you'll remember, it was also a theme song for a certain product. Anybody remember what that product was? Heinz ketchup, that thick, slow-moving ketchup, anticipation. Well, I bring that song to mind because I want you to think about the things in your life and in our lives that we are anticipating. Back in May, children and parents alike, they were anticipating summer vacation. Hey, it's just right around the corner, it's great. And now here we are the middle of July and everybody's anticipating that school will finally start again, okay? That's kind of the kind of people that we are. For some of you today, you might be anticipating a a job change or a promotion. You might be looking uh, that retirement is just right around the corner, anticipating that time. You may be anticipating a soon visit from a, uh, from a dear friend or, or a relative or perhaps the results of a doctor's test. Or you might simply be thinking, I wish he would get on with it so that we could go ahead and head out to lunch. But uh, I think we all anticipate things throughout our lives. If you'll stick with me a bit this morning, I want to speak to you about spiritual or better yet, biblical anticipation. Biblical anticipation. Most of you have either an electronic version or a dead tree version. A book that's filled with items of anticipation. They're words that have been spoken by godly men and godly women that have been written down for us to be able to have that again, the Holy Spirit moved upon godly men to write these things so that we could have them today. They're prophetic declarations that have been given to us. But for many people in the world today, their thoughts, their ideas about biblical prophecy go along with the opening words of Carly Simon's song. We can never know about the days to come, but we think about them anyway. But beloved, if you believe this book, if you truly believe that what it says will happen, and it has happened in the past, all the history and and the prophetic declarations that have been told in the past have truly taken place, and what's yet to come will take place, then you and I ought to be living our life with an ever-increasing anticipation of the Lord's soon return. We need to be looking forward to that point in time that the Lord is coming back again for his church. And these times will change. Ever increasing anticipation. I say that because of what we ought to be seeing around the world today. We look at that current volatile event that's going on in the Middle East, uh, particularly as it pertains to Israel. I downloaded an app on my phone the other day. It's an app called Red Alert. And on that Red Alert app, they will give you a notification every time a bomb or a rocket is shot into Israel 
from the Gaza Strip or from the West Bank or from Lebanon. And it goes on and on and on. It's called Red Alert. It's available iPhone and Android. I bring that to your attention because if you get that app, you better just go to the notifications part and turn the sound off. Because otherwise, you'll be alerted about every 15 or 20 minutes as multiple bombs are being launched into Israel all day long, all night long. And yet Israel, in the eyes of the world, is the aggressor on that. It's absolutely amazing. You ought to be living with an increased anticipation when you look at the moral decline in what we call civilized society. You ought to have increased anticipation when you look at the financial imbalance of most of the world's economies. We ought to have that increased anticipation when we see and we hear and we even experience that growing blatant disregard or even animosity toward the things of God and the things of his word. When we look at that ongoing current power struggle with, with countries like China or North Korea or Russia or Iran or Turkey and a multitude of others, when we look at the, the, the continual disarray and the stirring within the, the Muslim-controlled countries, and at the same time, we look at the United States of America slipping into, in essence, an also-ran category. We were just there, but not playing a major part. We look at the prophetic declarations in the Word of God and we find it very hard to find the United States even in that end time scenario. And we can look at what's going on in our country right now and we can now begin to well understand how that could very well be the place. We're not the world superpower that we used to be and we're definitely not the moral standard that we used to be. We look at this growing dialogue of political correctness that demands that we call evil good and good evil, that says that we need to put darkness for light and light for darkness. The very thing that Isaiah warned us about. And if we don't do those kinds of things, then we're threatened with fines or imprisonment. If you think I'm just making that up, you need to talk to somebody who's preaching from pulpits in Canada today, our neighbor to the north. Very limited on what they can say about particular sins, about lifestyles, because again, it's measured as hate speech at that point in time. We need to look at this whole worldwide intolerance of just about anything except biblical Christianity. There ought to be an increasing anticipation in our life of the Lord's soon return. The unfortunate reality is, is that most people that are living today, they're living their lives according to even the words of that Rolling Stone writer when he spoke about the idea of nobody has any idea of what's going on or what's going to happen. They don't believe the word of God. They believe everything may go better or it may go worse. We just don't know. My Bible says it's going to continue to wax worse. It's going to continue to go worse until our Lord comes again. The truth is, it's all been foretold within the word of God. God has declared that these things are going to come about in the last day. Well, to continue on in our study, in, in the book of Luke, we are in chapter 2. 
You're probably wondering, how in the world is he going to get into chapter 2 in the midst of this? Well, I want to bring to your attention two individuals in particular who lived their lives with increasing anticipation of the redemption of Israel. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to begin down in verse 21. As we've gone through Luke, we're, we're now to this point where they're bringing uh, the, the Christ child, bringing Jesus as a baby to the temple to have him dedicated. So Luke chapter chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it's written in the law of the Lord. Every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons." Well, in verse 21, it's just a simple declaration of the circumcision of the Christ child and the official, the, the formalization of his name, Jesus, Yeshua, Jehovah is salvation. It's the name that the angel told both Joseph and Mary to name this child. Why? Because just as the name declares, he will save his people from their sin. His circumcision took place eight days after his birth, according to the command of the law that we find both in Genesis as well as Leviticus. And the interesting thing about this, look at this, here he is as a baby, a baby, okay? You need to understand that, as a baby. And even right there, he's beginning his obedience to the law by being circumcised on that eighth day. He was always obedient to the law from the very beginning. And then in verse 22, we read that it's during this time that Mary, Mary, his mother, remained ceremonially unclean. She was in that status according to the law of Moses, and following the allotted time, she would then need to offer a sacrifice for the priest to make an atonement for her. Now, Leviticus chapter 12, you don't need to turn there now, but it's interesting to look at. In Leviticus chapter 12, the first several verses speaks to us and gives us the process of these things. On the eighth day after the birth of a male child, he's to be circumcised. And then for the next 33 days, the mother remains ceremonially unclean for a total of 40 days. She shall not touch any hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purification are fulfilled, is what Leviticus speaks to us. Now, don't shoot me, okay? Don't speak bad about me. I'm just the messenger. But you need to understand that here, the mother remains unclean for 40 days. If that child happened to be a girl, guess what? You just double that figure. So ladies, the mothers would remain ceremonially unclean for 80 days, not just the 40. So right here, according to God's word, we find out that girls are twice the trouble that boys are, okay? That, I mean, I, that's just what the word says, okay? So, well, anyway, I better move on. <laughs> Mary's time of purification was now complete. Her 40 days had gone by. And so now they head to the temple to do 
two primary things. One was uh, to present Jesus in much the same way that Hannah presented Samuel in dedication to the Lord, but it was because also that he was the firstborn son. The law said that the firstborn son would be dedicated to the Lord, so that was going on with Christ. But the second thing is, is they came to present this offering for Mary's purification, for her atonement. And in reference to Mary's offering, it's interesting that Luke is very precise in how he presents it. He says that she is going to present, uh, according to the law, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Why, Why would it be important to list out that her offering was two turtle doves or a pigeon? Well, according to the passage that we found in Leviticus, the primary sacrifice was to bring a lamb of the first year as a burnt offering and also a young pigeon or a turtle dove as a sin offering. However, there's also the option that's found in Leviticus that if she's not able to bring a lamb, in other words, if the economy or the finances of the family didn't uh, allow for a lamb, then she could bring two turtle doves or two pigeons, one as a burnt offering, the other as a sin offering, for this priest to make atonement for her. I believe that Luke pointed this out to help us to understand once again that humble presence, that humble beginning of our Lord. Another thing you need to bear in mind here in the mix of all these things, in the story of the nativity, the timing of Luke, the timing of Matthew. They're going now into Jerusalem. Jesus, uh, again, has been circumcised. They've now waited 40 days. They're going into Jerusalem to the temple. That means that the magi, the wise men, have not come yet. You realize that, that up to this point, the magi, the the wise men of Matthew have not come yet. Otherwise, two things would have happened. Joseph, Mary, and the child would be down in Egypt if they had come by that time. And number two, they definitely would not have traveled into the temple area, into Jerusalem. And oh yeah, one other thing. They wouldn't have been able to afford a lamb. Remember, if the Magi came, gave them gifts of gold, they could have easily bought a lamb. And again, with the devoutness and the holiness of both Joseph and Mary, they would have wanted to give the best that they could, again, for this offering. They didn't have that, the humble beginnings of our Lord. And so they bring the turtle doves, they bring the, or two young pigeons, As they go there, you need to understand that as they came into the temple that day, God was already at work in the hearts of two people in particular who lived their lives with this increasing anticipation. The first was a man by the name of Simeon. So now they're coming into the temple. Verse 25, we pick it back up. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was with him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. There's a lot of speculation about who Simeon is. Some say he could have been a priest or a rabbi. I don't believe that he's a priest. Uh, We'll look at that in a moment. There's a few things that we do know for sure according to the scripture. Number one, he was a man who was just and devout. As messed up as the religion of his day was, as messed up as Judaism was at that time, as offensive as it was to the eyes and to the heart of God, There were still people within the structure of Judaism who still loved God and were just 
and devout. Simeon was one of those, and I believe one of many, but again, the system itself had become corrupt. Let me bring you a little sidebar real quickly. It saddens me whenever I hear of people who are professing Christians who because of some hurt or pain or because of some abuse that they've received, either real or perceived, some abuse that they've received at the church, they decide that they're going to separate themselves from the church and try to make it on their own. I talk to people and they say, oh yes, I'm a Christian. Really, where do you fellowship? Oh, I don't fellowship anywhere. Why not? Well, I've just never really found a home. Never, well, I got hurt over here, this or that. But beloved, we're called to be in it. Let me give you a news flash. If you're looking for the perfect church, Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande is not it, okay? We're just a bunch of pilgrims on a journey ourselves. And sometimes we stumble, sometimes we fall, sometimes we make really big mistakes. And that comes from the pastor on up to the congregation, any and every one of us. But I do pray that we as a body, we together, it's this family, that we remain a people of grace and mercy as we continue on in our journey. News flash number two. If you ever do find the perfect church, don't join it because you would probably mess it up, okay? <laughs> it's just the reality of the way things are. We're imperfect people. Newsflash number three. The truth is, is you're never going to find the perfect church in the world today. It's just not going to happen. As the old saying goes, we're not a country club for saints. We're a hospital for sinners, and we come together to encourage, and to strengthen, to challenge, sometimes correct and instruct. But again, we're all in this journey together. Okay, back on track. The second thing we know about Simeon, he was a man who lived in increasing anticipation. He anticipated, just as the word says, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He believed God's word. He believed that God's promises were true. He knew that God was going to send his Redeemer, the Messiah, the Christ, according to his word, according to the promise that someday he would come. He had also received a personal word that Messiah was going to come into the world very soon. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, beloved, I don't care who you are, that's going to increase your anticipation. Now, particularly if you're in the third trimester of your life, uh, you're, you're pressing on from your 60s and beyond, and the Lord says, hey, before you die, the Lord's going to come back. Well, you know, okay, I, I don't have that long to go, so that could be any time. Now, if you're only, you know, in your teens or your 20s, you might say, whoo, that could be anyway. No, we don't know the number of our days, do we? So all of us ought to live our lives with that increasing anticipation. The Holy Spirit revealed to him, before you die, I'll reveal the Christ to you. And that brings me to the third aspect of Simeon's life. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit was upon him. We don't have any knowledge of Simeon's background, uh, no knowledge of his pedigree. We, again, we don't know if he was a priest or if he was a rabbi or if he was a member of any influential family. All we know is that the Holy Spirit was upon him. And beloved, that trumps everything. 
everything that the Holy Spirit was working and moving in his life. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God richly bless you.